Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm honored to be joined by my friend and colleague, longtime colleague, I should say, Heidi Lee, Director of Major Donor Advising with uh, Movement Voter Project. Heidi, welcome. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Very excited to have you and very excited to, uh, to have this conversation. So let's jump straight to it. You spent most of your career working in office settings. What was your experience when you uh, transitioned to working from home? Uh, I know we went through that uh, in the pandemic uh, started, but you pretty much went all work from home after after many years of uh, being in the office. So so talk to us. So what, what was that like? Well, the funny part for me was, was during the pandemic, I only spent about two and a half months at home. And the rest of the time I was on campus because I was in an independent school. And then after the pandemic, or I don't know, halfway through um, this last April, I took a new job at Movement Voter Project, and it's a completely remote organization. And um, it was a full-time work-from-home job, and it was the first time that I had really done that. In other places, it was, you know, hybrid, some hybrid, but mostly I'd been in offices. Um, A lot of it was higher education or education or nonprofits. Um, And going from working in the office to working at home was an interesting transition. I had a lot of self, like, is this really the thing for me? Um, As management professionals, you know, we are constantly talking to people, whether it's donors or internal team members, um, you know, wherever you are, program staff, faculty. So it was one of those interesting things where am I, you know, and I also am not a 20-year-old, 22-year-old straight out of college professional. I've been in the field for 20 years. So yes. it was a weird personal introspection moment. So it was definitely a different thing. The whole not having to get up and get in your car and drive somewhere is a re- weird thing. I don't, I mean, you and I have spoken on the phone when we're driving in our cars to works and places yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> and had good conversations. And so not having that time is is was weird. Um, but I will say that after a couple of weeks that I found this really interesting groove that like as a person, um, it really works um, if you are set up for success. And that's the thing that I think everyone needs to remember that like, it's not just about throwing somebody at home. Like you need to give them some tools and you need to give them access. And, you know, there needs to be mentorship and community. Um, and our organization has benefited a lot from using things like Slack and, you know, we call each other, we text each other. Um, we've had one in-person remote, uh, one in-person uh, all staff, retreat this year. And so, you know, we're doing the right things. And so it made it easier, I guess. Yeah, no, I I mean, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. For me, it was, uh, it, it was, it was tough because I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. I mm-hmm. feed off uh, people energy, but after a while, I carved out a space in my townhome uh, back in Vegas. I had this uh, sort of like an alcove uh, upstairs. And so I set it up as my office. 
I had my cadence. I wake up, I go, I, I go work out outside. I come back, take a shower, have coffee, put on my shorts and a dress shirt, go upstairs, Zoom. And <laughs> I got so used to that. So by the time we got back to the office, uh, you know, a year later and, uh, and the boss is like, hey, folks, so I need to see you back in the office at least once a week. And the whole idea of wearing pants, I dreaded it. I mean, I said, what? Now I got to wear pants? You know, I, I I have to, you know, I, I can't start happy hour right at five on the dot. You mean I got to, you know, I, I got to drive 30 minutes back. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was quite a wild time. Uh, so you talked a little bit about this. Uh, what were some of the initial challenges that you faced as a development professional working remotely and uh, how did you overcome them? Um, part of it was how do you reach out to your colleagues that aren't in your space, right? Like, I think the number one thing right. I have learned to do, you have learned to do, we've all done it, is whether it's walking across the campus or walking down the hall, that like office cooler chit chat with somebody, you find out it's someone's kid's birthday or someone just became a grandma or, um, you know, it's the personal touches that, you know, were a little bit weird. Like, how do you do that with somebody who is across the country or, you know, in a different time zone. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've done is, is that I've always carved out time um, during my week where I, you know, spend time just touch basing, touch base with people. Like, how are you doing? What's new? Um, and a lot of it is trying to find more connection with people who aren't in my department or who aren't on my team. I spend a lot of time with my team and a lot of time with my people in my department. Um, but reaching out to colleagues on different teams and different areas um, and trying to build bridges that way and bonds and community. So that's been the way I've I've dealt with it and I've handled that challenge because the whole not just being able to like pop your head in and be like, hey, what's going on? You know, is <laughs> was one of those weird things where you're like, I don't know you. I'm starting a new job remotely. Um, and I did a lot of reading. I read some interesting books about remote work because the tech industry's been doing it far longer than a lot of yeah. uh, folks. Uh -huh. and, you know, my husband's in that industry. So he's been reading these books. And so I borrowed them from him before I started this job. So in a way, you kind of had an advantage because your husband has been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you had somebody who can coach you on how to not go crazy when you're when you're at mm -hmm. home. Yeah. Now, you say something earlier that really intrigues me. You talked about how your organization has been fully remote. It is a full remote organization. Mm -hmm. And yet you are able to build culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, just just describe three things that you all do to ensure that you build you, you have that cohesive culture so whenever you get together maybe once in a once a year you're somewhere in LA you're getting together the team it feels like you're not meeting strangers it's not like yeah that's Bobby from the you know from the pod on zoom uh <laughs> oh Bobby looks tall oh Bobby seems weird oh whatever <laughs> I'm just picking on Bobby so talk, talk to me about that well, part of it is the onboarding. So part of the onboarding is every new employee is required to do uh, no work meetings with everybody on staff. So you are, you know, carving out 30 minutes to do bonding with everybody when you're first onboarded. Part of your like six week onboarding is to like meet everybody, get to know them. Um, it also, for me, I will say the thing it forced me to do was share facts about myself that I might not normally share. Um, and they'll be kind of quirky, but like personal things that like in an all staff meeting, I would never share <laughs> some funny antidote about my kid or my cat or, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, doing that and everybody else on the team is pretty comfortable about doing that. Um, that's something that is really makes you feel like, you know, somebody a little better. 
Um, and the third thing is, is all the big meetings we have, whether it's an all staff meeting, um, all team meeting, a division meeting, um, we always do like a 10 minute just check in like a hi, hello. And, you know, some of it might be completely silly, like what's your favorite color today? Yeah. Or, you know, what makes you happy today? Or, but, you know, on the my donor team ones, what I'll do is, you know, let's celebrate successes. Everyone say a success you had, whether it's bringing in money or an odd conversation you had with somebody. And so those types of things really create, you know, like you said, culture and community where you feel bonded to somebody, even though you're only a little picture on a, on a Zoom screen. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I can only imagine somebody telling you, oh, hi, I'm Mike. And I, I eat pizza, you know, with uh, with pineapples on them. Who who thinks that that's cool? <laughs> oh boy! And they're like, oh, that guy. I mean, who who thinks pineapples belong in pizza? Come on, my husband. So, but that, but but <laughs> that breaks me up. Oh, geez, that's another conversation. But exactly. that you see, you see that kind of thing breaks the ice, right? And it, it right. kind of you know endears yourself to that person. And next time you see him, it's like, so how's that pizza thing going for you, right? right. <laughs> No, I like that. I like that. That those, those are some great ideas. Um, what benefits uh, as we think about advancement professionals? You know, yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine about this. The fact that the current generation coming out of college and the next generation—I'm talking about the next ten years—these are folks who are using used to tweeting their way, TikTok, all this kind of stuff, and they value having a sense of ownership for the projects that they have that sense of independence and being able to not work a regular work, you know, work day. I mean, I can, you know, put in and I can show up in the office at 10 AM and work for a few hours, but then I'll be up at midnight doing some work and getting it done. I mean, I've heard professionals who have teams that do that. And so we work in an environment primarily where it's eight, eight 30 to five or nine to six, whatever that is, but it's primarily focused on the, traditional sort of work week. Now, we're seeing many organizations in higher ed moving to remote teams. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, at Duke, they just started a program where they're having uh, development officers uh, pl placed in uh, various locations around the country. And they work there remotely. They have the tools that they need to do to get a job done, so on and so forth. But as you know, for many folks, that's still like, oh, no, I can't adapt to that. No, I, I can't deal with that. Now, as we are looking at the future and staffing up with people who are, who have been raised in that kind of, in this kind of new, new uh, normal, so to speak, mm -hmm. or the normal that we forgot, we didn't realize existed, but now people prefer. Uh, what do you see are the benefits for having advancement officers working remotely? Well, the funny part is, is that if you think about it, and this is something that I've thought about since taking this job, most of our job has been remote. Oh, right? yes. Like uh -huh. as as a frontline fundraiser, especially, right? Like you're, if you were in the office, it was considered bad because you weren't meeting with donors, you weren't out in the community, you weren't doing what you were hired to do, essentially. Um, and so it's not that bad, big of a transition if you look at it that way. Um, benefits are yes, you, there's more flexibility as a working mom. It's uh, it's one of the best things that could have happened to me because. You know, I get up, I can go log on, do some work. I take him to school. I come back, I do more work. You know, I log off a little early to go pick him up, but then I pick right back up after he goes to bed. And I have that flexibility to be a mom and be a professional. Um, there, so there's that one benefit, right? That work-life balance, the yeah. ebbing it all in. Um, you know, we're now dealing with the generation of students. I mean, the kids that are graduating this year, next year are all kids who might've done their first two years of college online. Oh, Yeah. 
right? And so this is what they're used to. Um, and some of them aren't used to being around a lot of people. Like that's just not, yeah. that, you know, they haven't, that wasn't, you know, I mean, this pandemic really did change things, but there were also people who were already, you know, doing the Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and sharing their lives that way with everybody. So this is kind of normal for them. The whole nine to five, you know, nine to six, eight to five structure and being physically present somewhere isn't what they're used to. That's not who they are. Um, and so it actually gives a lot of freedom, I guess, and a lot of flexibility. Uh, you know, a lot of development teams in higher ed especially have done, uh, you know, remote, uh, you know, regional officers in the past. Yeah. With, you know, some success, some not, just it kind of depends. And I think now that the tools are better, it's a lot easier. Um, and let's be real, half of our donors are still wanting to meet via Zoom. And that's considered an in-person meeting as far as metrics are concerned. So, I mean, does it matter whether they're Zooming from their office or whether they're Zooming from their home office, right? Like That's, that's a good um, point. So, I mean, you know, and then, you know, if you need to travel, it's kind of easier to just, you know, I, I travel not a lot, but I travel. And when I do, it's nice to just be able to, okay, I'm logging off. I'm going to the airport from home versus, you know, there are some days where you're like running to the office. I got to go grab this packet and this donor material. Yeah. And then like, oh, I forgot my suitcase at home, running to the house, going to the airport. Um, so it's a lot of freedom and flexibility that um, when you're stuck in a traditional office space that it doesn't give it to you, right? Like you've been there, you travel a lot, like, you know. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Like, yeah, when you forget something at one place or the other, it's like, well, you know, it could, it ruins your whole day sometimes. When you're oh, it traveling. does. Yeah. Oh no, it, it, it does. And I mean, I, mean, I, re I really think, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you look at it, I worked for an institution where the bulk 68%, when I was at Berkeley, 68% of our alumni were within an hour radius of mm -hmm. you know the campus right. and then you had a big population in LA and then you had Chicago and then you had New York so it made a lot of sense to have a San Francisco Bay Area regional team to have a team in LA New York and Chicago because you can have somebody who is a local understands the local business world local nuances and they stay, you know, they stay at home, they're, they're, they're with their families and things like that. And it creates a great work-life balance. I mean, one, one of the things, uh, you know, that I like with, uh, is uh, seeing a lot of companies these days that have uh, mental break Fridays. Okay, so Friday is a floating day. You want to take Friday off and just, you know, go get inspired by taking a hike, you know, go to Pacific Beach and walk and, uh, you know, just collect your thoughts. Do it. Right. And there's no such thing as, oh, well... Yeah, you only uh, were in the office for an hour and that happened. And what I found is environments that do that, that tend to nurture these kind of employees that buy into the mission even more intently than the ones that don't because they see the the the, uh, the work environment valuing their self-care. And, you know, you can spend time with your kids, you can go hiking, you can do whatever. And that helps balance you. You know, you're balancing your chi. And uh, uh, it's to me, I welcome the revolution. And my goal, my goal, and as I'm having these conversations, is to demonstrate to people, you know, it is not such a bad thing. I mean, Berkeley was doing this years ago, years ago, and now it's when other people are starting to pick that up. And so, it's it's uh, to me, uh, as folks are, are listening and thinking about the future, and we are in a business where demand ex uh, exceeds the supply of talent. So as you're thinking about that, think about 
the current generation. These are going to be your future employee, employees and future team members. What right. are we doing to create environments where they can thrive without mm -hmm. necessarily being on campus? Because the other thing, too, is that uh, from a higher ed perspective, you have a lot of institutions these days that have uh, graduates that are all over the place, right? That that are that are doing uh, online school. You know, whether they right. say it's online or name it, name it school, they have hundreds of thousands of those people, and those folks become alumni. Mm -hmm. But their experience is not like the kid who went to ASU and was on campus, knows what life is like on Mill Avenue on Thursday night and have had fun, know the fraternity. No. They were a professional who wanted to earn a degree in mechanical engineering that will help further their career. So their experience with that institution mm -hmm. is rather uh, from an ROI. I went there to get an education that's going to help me uh, support my family, further my career. So the whole idea of uh, the advancing professionals engaging those kind of people, you can't engage them in traditional ways. Right. You have to figure out uh, what, you know, engaging them uh, from a from a professional perspective, more of a networking perspective, that may be a virtual environment. Right. Okay, it may be a virtual environment. You know, we have AI, we have a lot of other you know tools that are powered by that, where you can be in a virtual environment and engage with a global uh, group of alumni, and then try right. to push the benefits of what you do. What why is it that the institution does that is beneficial to them as professionals? So it's. It's uh, it's it's a um, you know it's a welcome change to me that right. I think others should uh, you know should embrace. So as we uh, as we we've sort of uh, talked about uh, uh, how many organizations hesitate to transition to uh, work from home, uh, people fear. You know, I was at a conference a few weeks ago and I'm talking to VPs and say, man, one of them tells me I have my team fully remote right now. But we're gonna stop bringing back in because I'm worried that the culture is is not is not uh, progressing. You know, we have many microcultures. You know, people are not gonna be as friendly as we want them to be. Uh, I'm worried that productivity may go down, and uh, you know, you just name it. Every kind of thing that you think is sort of like when the car was first was first uh, was being introduced, and you know, the guys the horse buggies are trying to come up with every idea about why that is a bad idea. Right. And so what would you advise leaders who are considering, uh, you know, adopting this uh, fully remote, uh, you know, work situation for their teams? And what would you advise them uh, to handle, uh, you know, some of these founded and somewhat unfounded concerns, you know? Well, I mean, I think you touched on it. Like they need to get out of the traditional what is leadership model, right? And they need to start thinking about, culture. And one of the things that uh, that comes up constantly in, in managing remote teams is creating psychological safety, um, which leads to everything, right? Like you need to yeah. hire the right people. You need to, you know, create environments where they can thrive. And then the biggest factor is trust. Um, and if that's something that a leader doesn't have in their team, whether they're in office or out of office, like that's part of the cultural barrier. And that's never um, it's, it's not going to change whether they're in the office or out of the office, right? It's not like you and your role can stand around and sit and see what every single member of your team is doing at every minute while they're on campus. That's impossible. No way. No way. Right? Impossible. And so yeah. how does it differ whether you have a director of development who's in the College of Sciences and you're sitting in Central 
what how do you know that they're actually doing something versus not being at the college of sciences but working from home like that's the thing that they people need to get over that it's you know there's a trust factor you have to have and it's about finding the right team members and the right pieces to make it work i would say that's the number one thing people need to just remember leaders especially um the other thing that i will say that i i believe i haven't really done a whole lot of research on it but i've started talking to some folks about it um, the nice thing about remote teams is there isn't as many siloing, gossipy groups. Amen to that. Because they're not standing around whatever, the coffee maker, <clears throat> the copier, whoever's desk is the gossip queen in the office. Like, if you're that person, you're going to go searching for it. But the average person who is like, I'm here to work, isn't being brought into someone else's office drama. And so there's actually more like I feel like there's just more productivity because you don't have to listen to all the chit chat that isn't applicable to your job. And if you want, you can create the conversations you want to have, the personal relationships with people without being this like day to day gossip. Um, you know, you and I've seen it. We've been there. We've done that, you know, with all sorts of different groups in our careers. But oh, yeah. Um, it's really hard to be that person if there's nobody else around you to do it with. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, it's, you know, I, 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 I just, I just think about it and, you know, I have, uh, you know, in, in my official uh, capacity, I have six direct reports and seven and 45, uh, you know, people on my team. And I'll tell you, you talked about hiring the right people. You know, I didn't hire the people that 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 report to me in my other capacity. I found them, and I'm right. about to hire one. But here's the deal: I trust all of them infinitely. I trust mm -hmm. them to be professionals. Otherwise, they will not have the position that they have. So I can go a week without seeing them. I mean, I'm not in the colleges. They're all in the in the units, and they do their work there. And we talk on a regular basis as needed. We check in once a month. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we see each other at meetings and things like that. I drop in sometimes, say hello. But at the end of the day, all I care about is, are we getting the job done? Are mm -hmm. we delivering results? Are we uh, fostering a good, positive culture? Are the team members uh, be, being respected and treated, uh, you know, with dignity? And I don't get into somebody's business unless I see that we have some problems, issues that are affecting team the team members productivity and those kind of things. And so uh, as, as I see it, I'm already doing it. So yeah. for me, I would have zero problems if all those people were working remotely, because at the end of the day, we still, we still connect. And because I have a team that's spread all over the place, some people are, are at other locations. Our monthly meetings are on zoom anyway, right? Because that makes sense. You're not going to make somebody drive an hour and a half to come this way just because I want to see your face and uh, it's, you know, in person because that means a lot. So I, I, I appreciate your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on that. So you touched on this again earlier, mentoring. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're all about mentoring. So I heard somebody saying, you know, I'm concerned about that because I have all these, uh, all my team is going to be, is, is temporarily remote. And if I consider putting all of them remote, how can I mentor advancement professionals who are out there remotely in different locations and ensure that they remain connected to the mission and purpose of our organization? 
and how do I maintain cohesiveness? You talked earlier about Slack, about checking in on people, having those 30 minutes where you just talk nothing about business and just focus on on uh, sort of like personal personal items. Uh, what what are the thoughts you have on that? Um, so, you know, I mean, like, we, you know, if you want to call it North Star, or the true North or whatever you want to talk about, like everyone needs to be aligned on that, right? But then that's also a trust factor. Like you can hire someone who tells you all the things you want to hear, but do they really believe? Um, and so, you know, there's that. And if you're going to mentor someone, I've actually found it easier to mentor someone via Slack, email, and text messages than it is in person. Because when you're trying to schedule a meeting with somebody in person, the hoops you have to go through, whether it's drive time, finding the hours that work for you and them, um, all of the logistics that go into it. Whereas finding 45 minutes on Zoom to have a really in-depth conversation about that like about true mentorship is a lot easier than trying to figure out how to get to somebody or them get to you. There is also, you know, when you're looking for the right people and trying to develop them, um, I mean, you know, it's the same thing. Like it's, there is really no difference between being in-person or remote. Nope. Uh, and the culture thing is, is that like, that's, I think everybody struggles with it. Everyone says they don't have an answer to it, but it's about you know, leadership, making sure that they have the right culture and the right idea. They're meeting their employees with empathy and understanding, but also understanding the employees also understanding the job needs to get done and all of those bridges need to be covered. Um, but at the end of the day, being remote doesn't stop any of that. Um, no, it does not. It, it, does, it does not at all. I mean, if you're, uh, what we found out was uh, at one organization that I was part of, when we send the entire advanced resources and gift processing team to be particular uh, remote, they actually were processing more gifts per mm -hmm. week than yeah. they were before. And so then when it came back and said, hey, we're, we're more productive, uh, uh, the, the uh, powers that be said, absolutely, keep stay, stay at home. Yeah. And uh, then then other units uh, that followed through and uh, then uh, other others uh, who were more frontline went on a hybrid mode. So three days in the office, two days also. As I thought about that, I said, well, hmm, if we can do that, there's really no difference <laughs> in like uh, telling them, tell them, hey, stay extra two days home, right? right. And uh, they'll still, they'll, they're still accomplishing something. They're still being productive. They're getting the things that we want done, done. So it's uh, it's interesting that way. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, part of it is like having the right meetings, right? I mean, the other thing I think we, everyone got into, especially during the pandemic was just Zoom fatigue, where, you know, like you're just meeting after meeting on Zoom. Um, but, you know, breaking it up, breaking it up with, uh, you know, like we've done some, you know, social things. We do a lunchroom once a, once a month where the entire staff like can drop in if they have the time to socialize. Um, so there's ways to keep culture alive and to keep, and I don't think culture is really the right word. It's community that they're worried about losing because the culture of your institution is the culture of your institution, right? Like that's yes. not just fundraising. Yeah. It's not just mm -hmm. advancement. It's not, it's that's the, the entire campus has that yeah. culture. But what that person's really afraid of losing is the community sense, right? The, what I was talking about in the beginning, the popping into someone's office and checking in on them and da, da, da. I mean, it might take a little bit of time for some of us that were more old school to like get into the habit of dropping a Slack message or a text message versus walking down the hall. But essentially, it has the same effect, especially with the younger folks that uh, that we're working with. They'd rather get a text from you than a phone call or you pop your head into their office. 
So. Oh yeah, I mean, even that. So, so I remember, I remember during, uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, there was a time when we uh, essentially stopped working for about three, for about, you know, a, a first few weeks. We're trying to figure out how to how how to recalibrate. Yeah. And so you have a couple of meetings a day and things like that. We're trying to figure out the game plan. And one of my friends started a uh, happy hour group that had people from all over the world. I mean, we had friends in Australia, in England, in Canada, across the United States. And every Wednesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, West Coast time, we'll get on, we'll get together on a Zoom. People get their best drink, uh, their favorite drink that they want, and they will have a theme and we'll talk. Uh, we even had we even had a uh, a, a an Oscars that it was a night of the Oscars uh, remote right. Oscars and we had an Oscars happy hour on Zoom and everybody had to dress up so I put on my my shorts and tux uh, tux top you know had a dirty martini you know things like that but it was a way for us to you know to to sort of build that sense of community at a time when we all remote. And some of us who didn't have families were by ourselves, and that was the only human contact. So, from right. my experience doing that, you know, uh, uh, I, I can tell you that uh, if, if that is what sustained me for months and during all that time of pandemic, is that virtual personal touch. And so, having seen that, I I definitely think we can do it. You can mm -hmm. still have that camaraderie if you intentionally set time to engage uh, team members in a, you know, in, in a big group and just have personal time. I'm not saying it has to be happy hours. It could be cooking, uh, you know, it could be yeah. just sit down and talk for 15 minutes and catch up how are things going on where you are and those kind of things. So it definitely, uh, you know, it can be done. So as we wrap up here, mm -hmm. uh, what, you know, uh, why don't you give us two key takeaways that uh, you like uh, our listeners to, uh, to, to keep in mind as they uh, navigate the uh, work from home uh, uh, environment and the idea of being a professional in a work from home setting? That it's really that, I mean, you know, I always go back to this. It's about trust. It's about trust your team members, trust your people, trust the people around you, whether it's personal or professional. Um, that's the number one thing. You That's just, you have to have that in you um, and in your people. And it's a two-way street. You have trust with them. They'll have trust with you. Um, and that creates a better culture, I think, than this weird uh, time clock. Everyone sits at a desk and, you know, I mean, we've all been in offices where, you know, the person sitting next to you hasn't done an ounce of work in two months and you're wondering what's going on. Um, so there's that. Um, and then, you know, definitely hire and onboard the right people. You know, and those are principles I don't think that go, they're, they're not just remote principles, they're just good principles of leadership and mentorship, right? That like everybody yeah. needs to have in our world, in every job. I don't even think it's just purely advancement folks. Oh, yeah. No, you hire right, then you're going to have the right outcomes. I mean, you yeah. know, when, when you, uh, and also, you know, take your time and, and don't hire just because you're desperate. You know, hire because it's the, it's the right fit. I'll say, uh, in terms of uh, you find somebody who's a cultural contributor that can contribute to what you're building. And as you said earlier, every organization has this uh, inbuilt culture. And it's not just, uh, you know, advancement is different. Advancement embodies the culture of the uh, organization that you're part of. So if you hire people that you can trust, they can be in, I don't know, Tanzania and <laughs> exactly. get it done. 
Yeah. And uh, you don't have to worry about what they're doing because you see the product and you see the results. Absolutely. Well, with that, that was uh, that that was those were great, great ideas, Heidi. You enjoyed the conversation. This is going to enlighten a few people's mind. And hopefully we start seeing more and more folks in leadership consider uh, work from home and remote working as the alternative, because like you said earlier, we in the frontline fundraising world have pretty much been remote workers for many years. So this is nothing new. So I appreciate your thoughts on that. Well, I appreciate your time. And it was great. Always great talking to you, Kim. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. I'm Kim Nioni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.